I'm Suzanne Murdoch and welcome to Series 2 of Powering Productivity. Each episode I explore the energy that connections, expertise and being in your best flexible working environments can bring to not just your business but to your whole life. So let's get started. Welcome, I'm your host Suzanne Murdoch and today I'm delighted to be joined by Melanie Bernier, co-president of the Swiss Association of Coworking and she's also co-founder of The Work Hub in Vevey and Brühl, and is a big advocate of co-working in rural areas. Melanie has a background in economy and tourism, and after 15 years in market research for airlines around the world, she started her first co-working space in Vevey in March 2017, and the second one in Brühl in January 2019. Now, I have to admit, Melanie, I'm a little envious of the amazing natural wonders that you have on your doorstep. <laughs> I love, I know that you love skiing and you love taking a dip in the lakes. And that must be a big, um, the socializing element must be a big part of what, of what you do with your coworkers. I can't wait to talk about the, the benefits that your members experience in terms of the remote working and the flexible workspaces. I guess the structure that it brings and the engagement and the productivity elements. And also how I think as an industry, we can really work more collectively to engage with employers um, and spread the positive word, the sustainable impact um, that remote working can really bring from various different perspectives. So, Melanie, how are you? Love to hear a little bit about your story to date and how you've got to where you are. Um, Hello, Susan. I'm doing great. Thank you. I am. I've just spent a nice weekend uh, with a Really nice spring weather already, but um, we did have a little bit of time in the skiing resorts and a little bit of time on bikes, so a good mix. I have a background, um, as you mentioned, in uh, economics and tourism. I've always loved people, and after 15 years, I got um, a change in my career. I had small kids, and I was thinking, what am I going to do? And I really didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I um, Got invited by a friend who was co-working. Basically, he had he was sharing an office with two or three independents, and I got a desk there to work. I didn't work much. I was just doing mainly my <laughs> when I was pregnant with my son, and I mainly worked on my invoices. And but I had I had an office to go, and that was making me feel good. And um, that's when I started thinking about oh, okay, what is co-working? That was back in 2014. And then by the time the, the, the project took place in my head and I could find the right location and build it up, it took me a couple of years. And as you mentioned, I opened the first work hub five years ago. Um, actually, it's going to be, I think the anniversary is next week. I was, I opened on the, on the 15th of March. So based on when we are recording the podcast, that was, that was a kind of in a week time. It's going to be celebrating five years. Why did I go into co-working? One of the reasons, as I mentioned before, is I love humans and I love the interaction be- before, between human beings. And really for me, um, the whole co-working idea is, of course, there are the benefits of sharing a place, sharing costs, but it's not the main point. For me, the main point is really what you get as an individual, as a human, on the human interaction, on the benefits you get to see other people, you get to see other jobs other life and, and and that's what makes it rich um so i really got into co-working for the human aspect of it and of course i like entertaining people 
I always mentioned I have a, when I was a young girl, I was a boy scout, a girl scout, uh, taking care of and, and, and entertaining people. So it, it's still part of my life. Uh, now, so, uh, for me, that's, that's really the key point. Of course, there is the whole, um, benefits of co-working, which are getting out of home, being in a professional environment. But for me, the real, the biggest benefit is really that, um, of having interactions with other humans oh yeah no I completely get that Melanie and I think the balance the balance as well so you can have that quiet time if you want it but there's always someone there if you want the support and the social aspects of of things and the help as well I guess yes health and mental health yeah definitely (laughs) so you opened the first space in 2017 and happy birthday um for your five-year anniversary So you must have seen a lot of changes. I know you opened the second space. Was it just before the the pandemic hit? Um, it was early nineteen. It was early nineteen. So we had a year of yeah. a little bit more than a year of ex, um, of running before okay. the pandemic arrived. But, um, but you, you must have seen a lot of changes in terms of the member makeup and that the facilities that people are are looking for from flexible workspaces. I guess compared pre pandemic compared to now. Yes. I, I, there's two things to it is because, of course, one of the reasons why, why I also see the changes is I moved location uh, in March 2020 in Verve. So right in at the start of the pandemic, when everything was shut down, I moved. Um, so because I moved and I had other facilities, it also brought me another uh, type of clients. But the one thing I've seen um, really is it seems that co-working before, at least in the head of people, was really something for independent, for geek, for people that are only in some sector of the industry. And what we see and what we also advertise is it's not only for people that are coding, it's really for everybody, basically. What I what I like to see, say is co-working, as long as you have to work with the computer, um, mainly, or your brain or whatever, but you don't, you know, you're not a, you're not a sitting at a cashier desk or in a, in a plant. Everybody can do co-working. Basically, also with what we're seeing with the pandemic, everybody who could do home office could do co-working. Hmm. So what we've seen is really a mix of people from various industries. It can be graphic design, but it can be um, health, it can be biology, it can be filmmaking, it can be anything. I, I, I see that list, that mix of people that are coming to co-working space. And what we see as well, the difference is maybe before five years ago was a little more independent people. Now we see more and more employees that are looking for an alternatives because they don't want to commute. And in co-working space is an alternative to commuting because you find yourself in a professional environment again it's made to work i mean you have proper desk proper chairs it's not just the kitchen table and you have it's it's close to home and you have those social interactions that are so important we're lucky here in switzerland because even during the pandemic we never we were never forced to shut down uh, the co-working spaces uh, there was a very very quiet not to say non activity March, April 2020, but as of May, uh, things picked up and we saw quite a lot of new clients coming in looking for, uh, for alternatives because they realized during the pandemic that not commuting two hours a day was making their life much easier. 
So then they would say, okay, now I can avoid commuting, but um, maybe I can find myself in a proper way to work and not just working from home. So okay. we've seen new, new people coming in. And what we also see now is um, quite a few companies that uh, rather than renting an office for themselves, you know, like having their own premises, come to the co-working space, they get private offices within co-working space. But what they like with it is, first is the flexibility, because I don't know how, what's the situation in Ireland, but in Switzerland, when you you sign for lease, you, you usually sign for five years. So it means that you have to decide now, let's say, you know, you're starting your company that, okay, we're going to be five employees, so I'm going to sign for five years. So you probably take something that is too big from what you need. And then if you grow more than what you had expected to grow, then you're stuck. Yeah. So yeah. they also flexibility of co-working like I can come I have one person for now and maybe in three months time I have three people and I can increase with how my company works and not just I have to sign for one go so that's one thing flexibility facility because it's as I said it's a plug and play you come here and you work you don't have to worry about uh, buying furniture getting the wi-fi to work getting the phone to work it's everything finding a cleaning lady uh, everything is included, so they see that as well. And of course, they see the latest benefits, which is the human interaction. Even if they have a team of three, four people in that region, the fact that they are included in a bigger community is also a beneficial for their company and for their employees. They're not alone. They are within a group. And, and, and really, we've seen that in the last a few years, in the change of mind. And also, I guess, it's because co-working is now is not only recognized for hipster and hippies, but it's kind of <laughs> recognized that it's serious. That's, yeah, that's it is. Point. It is. It's more productive. How have you coped? You say there's more employees, so presumably they would be on the likes of Zoom a lot more. Um, yeah. They would have a lot more connectivity and calls, Skype. Have you had to renovate or find more quiet areas for certain people for that sort of thing? How, yeah. how have you found that experience? I just... I just uh, received, I just got two new uh, phone booths um, that arrived on Friday in Vevey and they're arriving tomorrow in Bulls. So putting a few more phone booths. Um, also, well, during the pandemic or during, th there have been some quiet times when people were more on Zoom where there were less people. So it was almost easy to manage or the meeting rooms were not occupied. So I could tell people just go into the meeting rooms. Um, that's how we've, we've, we've managed it. But yes, it's, it's the need now. It's a need that people need more quiet space to get their Zooms. Uh, it all depends. Sometimes if you have just a Zoom where you're listening most of the time, people stay within the open space. If they, ha if they have Zooms where they really have to participate more than they tend to isolate. And in that sense, we have four or five booths where people can, um, can go and isolate. Yeah. So, and I know, I know a lot of spaces, they have, um, certain rules for that sort of thing that you have to wear headsets if you're on zoom calls so it's only a one-way yeah. conversation that you can hear yeah. and that actually yeah. works really well yes that's that's well that's the headset's been since been here since the beginning that's what mm -hmm. i've been asking the people also because you know when people are wearing headsets usually um they don't talk as loud i said usually because there are always some people that talk very loud so <laughs> yeah yeah but, uh, but yeah in terms of facilities that's one thing um the other facility that we've put in place is in our meeting rooms We've equipped them with uh, very large screens and um, a video, uh, something that does the captation and uh, that allows you to, if you give a course, if you have people in the room and people outside, 
they can have um, what we call a bimodal, meaning you can have, um, let's have, a, you have a meeting with a meeting with four people on site and five people off site, and we have uh, put the the right technology so that okay. that easily. So that's yeah. some investments we've made in the last um, in the last year. Very good. And that kind of brings me on to the next question, Melanie. So what are your thoughts on trying to balance the ever-increasing digital infrastructure that we need? So, you know, things like access controls and the Zoom, et cetera, with the importance of the human interaction. And that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, in, in my co-working space, and I don't say that's the right thing. I mean, we still have, I mean, we have, we work with a software that will take on you know, follow who is in the space. Uh, they can book their meeting rooms online so I don't have to be there. But uh, so far, if you're the first-time client, you cannot come into my space without going through me or one of my colleagues. It means that there is a human interaction. Either it's because you've sent an email or it's because you've called and asked, oh, I want to book a meeting room. And then we have this first interaction. I could, I mean, I have all the tools for it to have it that you can just do online booking. And then I would get an email telling me, hey, we have a booking that day. I don't want to go into that because in that sense, maybe I'll get more clients, but I lose what I like, which is the human part. So, so far until I can still manage it, I always have one interaction with a client. And also the first time they come, they don't have an access with the smartphone. They get a badge, so they have to have a human interaction. And for me, it's important. And especially for coworkers, because we are, I mean, there are different, type of, different types of coworking. Um, the one that we run is really based on the human interaction. So if you want to join uh, the work hub, you'll have to go through it's not curated, but you'll have to go through having a discussion and I'll ask you where you come from and what's your background and why you want to join. And uh, I, I, I don't want to, I don't say no to people, but I do believe that I've had some visits that never came back because they didn't want to, they just wanted a space. And, and but but that's that works. See, that benefits both sides as well. The whole on the whole onboarding process, because you need to know who you're working with. And yep. who your coworkers are going to work with in order to be able to help them yep. the best you can. You know, what exactly. are their needs? Why are they here? Like you say, exactly. I think it, and it works for both sides. Yep. It's, it's the same. I mean, it's what I believe because it's also me when I talk to coworkers, then they say, um, yeah, I come from that field and I do that. It's like, oh, you have to meet that person. And then you put people in relationship, people in relationship. And that's, that's your role. I mean, to me, that's the role of a host in a coworking space. There are also co-working spaces that are more maybe business oriented and they will take less care about the interactions. It works as well. I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's really where, where you want to position yourself. And we are clearly positioned as a human co-working. Um, yes, maybe at one point you can, you will be able to book online and get a code that gives you access to the building. Um, it's not in the plan for the moment. Because the way it works is fine. Though I have to say I manage really, I mean, not small co-working sizes, but it's, you know, it's relatively small. So you can still manage this, the family type. Um, but it's very important to me. Yeah. And I think the beauty of the co-working as well is that you can flex. So if you find you need that at a later date, you have got that adaptability if, if yep. you need it. But it's constantly evolving and judging. You know, what sort of people have you got in? What what are the, the requirements of those members? 
So, exactly. yeah, you know, it, it comes down to, I think, flexibility, adaptability, the whole um, and the whole talking, ethos of co-working. Talking about what do they need, we've also increased in the first place. We didn't give external screens and now we have external screens for regular clients. And then, of course, the ones that are less regular are wondering why couldn't they get the screen. So at some point, but it's also whenever we'll have the money for that, at some point, maybe everybody's going to have a screen. So, you know, we also tend to differentiate. So people that take a monthly, a monthly pass, they get a little extra compared to the one that just come on a daily basis. Okay. And as I said, if you can one day a week, you can work for one day without a screen. If you come and work every day, then you're happy to have a big screen. So that's also where we make a difference with those people. Yeah. And Melanie, you're co-president of the Swiss Association of Co-working. Tell me a little bit about what that, that involves and, you know, what's, what does it represent? Okay. The association was built in 2015 by a group of co-working operators, uh, mainly independent co-working operators thinking that um, stronger we are stronger together. So the idea behind the, the association was to have a place where people that are doing the same job can exchange on problematics, on how to deal, on what to do. How do you communicate? How do you set up your space? Do you have a good deal for a phone booth? Do you have a good plan for whatever? So that, that was the basics. Um, it started with a few members. We now have around 150 uh, co-working spaces that are member. Probably in Switzerland, we estimate that the number of co-working spaces is around 300. So half of, half of them are member of co-working Switzerland. Our main role is to put a um, spotlight on co-working, help raise the word, spread the word about co-working. So we now are recognized when there are, whenever there are journalists that want to do an article on co-working, they usually turn on us. And, and come and ask us questions. We run, for example, we have this DeskMax survey, which is done on European, and we get the data for Switzerland. So we have our own data on Switzerland. We have meetings. We have, well, the annual meeting once a year where we are, we gather 60 or 80 different co-working operators. And then we have regional events a couple of times a year to just meet in exchange. So it's really a peer to peer. It's a pro bono association. So we don't earn anything. Um, so we spend a lot of our time on trying to do our best. Sometimes it's frustrating as well because, because it's not a proper job. I mean, it's a proper job, but proper job. because it's not paid, you sometimes yeah. you have to you balance and you put it, you know, at the end of the list. So sometimes things don't move as fast as we wish. For example, we've set up a, po- a podcast called This Works, um, during the pandemics and we are supposed to release one episode a month and it's, it's frustrating. I mean, and we have the, of course, because Switzerland is a multilingual country, we have podcasts in French and podcasts in German. And so we have to record both sides. And then for some reason, um, normally the German are more structured than we are, but the, for the, on this topic, the, the French speaking ones were more structured and we have more episodes. So when do we read what? And sometimes it's like, Oh, we've recorded those episodes four months ago and we still haven't been releasing them for different various reasons. But that's the thing about being a pro bono association. What we've done in the last uh, two years, one thing that occupied us quite much is uh, with the pandemic, there have been rules for offices and in co-working was, we are an office, but not really. We're a service, but not really. Are we a shop? Are we not a shop? What are the roles that are applied to us? So we really worked with the, it's called the, well, the 
the parliament or whatever that were giving us rules. So uh, my co-president, he's really good at that. He was always on the phone, making sure we had the right guidelines and then we could spread the word to all of the co-working space. Uh, we need to have protection plans. So we created a ma master protection plan for co-working spaces and then they could just adapt. Um, so we really worked on that, being able to support our clients, our, our members, which are the co-working operators. That's one of the elements I, I found the hardest actually through the pandemic was because we're right on the border. We had to juggle yeah. the, the UK <laughs> government guidelines with the Northern Ireland and the Republic. And the, the, it really was a juggling game. So I know yeah. I feel that. And then you feed into um, the European Co-working Assembly as well. I know when they have conferences, yep. you've done panel yep. talks and things. Yeah. The goal of the association is one is to support the members, which are co-working operators. The other one is try to market co-working in the sense, of course, I mean, we have a budget of what, you know, £10,000 a year. So, I mean, we're not going to do a big marketing campaign, but we're doing our best with what we have. Uh, we also created a movie that was right in the pandemic where we had put that we released right after the pandemic. It's like, are you sick of your current working environment? And you can see those people that are alone at home and sad. And then we said, come and join a dynamic environment. And then we spread the word for co-working because in the end, yes, each co-working operators is marketing its place. But in the end, we are all marketing the same thing. What is the solution we offer? And even if I have one, I mean, in Verve, I have a, a, I don't, a colleague because it's not a competitor. That is really just across the train station. I can see his, from my terrace, I can see his terrace. So we're really close. We don't offer the same product. It's not the same feeling. We offer co-working, both of us, but it's different. And I always think that you can market co-working and then people will end up being in the place where they belong. And, yeah. and because it's not exactly the same, I don't see them as a competitor. Can oh, and I think that I think the more the more co-working bodies and operators that market and and really push the benefits, yeah, has exactly. a greater greater impact because, like you say, all of the spaces have different cultures, different personalities. Yep. They bring different um, infrastructure as well, a lot yep. of them, and different ways of working. And I, I remember once talking to um, a lady. I can't remember her name from Toronto, and um, of course, Toronto is at eight million inhabitants cities so it's kind of the whole Switzerland is Toronto but they had the Toronto co-working association and they were all most not most but a lot of co-working were members of that association and she said the same when somebody comes and visit my space I tell them to go visit other spaces as well so that they can really feel and find their right the right place for them and and I think it's the same on on um on my side is yes you you may want to commute because you want to come i have had people that commute from another city to to Vever because they wanted to come to the work hub because they like the atmosphere and they may have had a co-working space closer to home but they decided on the work hub because they wanted that special feeling yeah and, and yeah. they like the place and they like the crowd etc and and as i said some of my people will never uh, some of other people will never come to my place because they don't it's not their cup of tea what extent do you think these workplaces lend themselves to bringing structure and productivity to, to remote workers? I know we've talked about the social side, but in yeah. terms of the actual productivity itself. I think that was two or three years ago. We had this desk mag. Desk mag is the, they do a survey on European co-working and they had a, 
survey on coworkers and they asked them about the productivity and and I think nobody said they were less productive. Probably 50% said they were equally productive. And then we have another 50%, probably 30% said they were plus productive and 20% said they were plus, plus productive. So it means that um, even if I tell you you're more productive in co-working space, you can laugh, but I can tell you we have figures of co-workers that actually say they are more productive. For me, one of the reasons is you have a frame. Uh, first, you go to the office. It means that you are going physically you're moving your feet or whatever to go to another place. So you're going out of home. So it also makes you mind, your mind changes because your mind says, okay, I'm going to the office and not I'm in my pajamas working from my kitchen table. So that makes a difference. So first, that's the thing. You, you put a frame, uh, you get into an office where in the morning when you arrive, you say hello to the other workers. So you have this, even if it's a, very small social interaction, but you have this discussion about, hey, hi, uh, how are you today? And then you go sit and work. And then you work and you may also be more productive because you know that maybe around 10, you'll have a coffee break and you'll have some time to exchange with somebody. If you're at home and you have no perspective, is you can stop now because you want to empty the fridge or um, you can say, ah, oh, I can do that later because you have no motivation, not motivation, but you're less productive because ah, I can always do that later. I think in a co-working space because of the frame makes you feel more, you, you're going to do your job or you're going to do whatever you have to do. Because then you also think, oh, once I'm done over lunch, I'll enjoy lunch to share with others. So I'm happy to be done by 12 so I can have a shared lunch. Whilst if I'm at home, I can be done by two, but because however, I'm going to eat my lunch in front of my computer. So in, in that sense, and, and to me, it's really the frame that makes you go further. Yeah, and I think when you're in the right mindset and you're in a place that you enjoy and you feel comfortable and you're in the zone, you're naturally more productive and more creative anyway. Exactly, exactly. So, so that's, how, that's how I feel. And I know a lot yeah. of members here feel like, what do you think in terms, I guess we look at it from, um, we get more and more employees working in our spaces. If we look at it from the employer, the corporate um, employer's perspective, what do you think is holding some of them back from really promoting it for their teams? And also, I know we've discussed before, Melanie, that um, some of the employees that we have have to pay for it themselves. What do you think is holding back the employer from really well, pushing that and paying for it? Well, I guess it's the money anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think it's always the same thing is, Currently, we are probably in a situation, I would say generally speaking, where most of the companies have in their headquarters or their offices enough space to welcome all of their employees wherever they come from. So it means that, let's say I have 50 employees, I have 50 desks, they can all come and work. If they commute two hours a day, it's not my problem. They decided to come and work for me, right? Um, the shift that has to be done and that will have to be done because we also know that with the new generation, let's don't say they are spoiled ch children, but they will be more demanding. And if you want to attract talents, you have to offer different conditions. One of the thinking that people have had, companies have had over the last two years as well, is say, do we really need to have 50 desks for our 50 employees? Cannot we do less desk, maybe more collaborative um, workspace, and then let them work. The basics was from home, but be, 
behind there would be not from home but close to home and and i think it's it will take some time because of the length of the lease contract um, a company cannot change except if they are in co-working from one day to the other it's like oh, i have a big office i want to go to a smaller office so it will take some time and then when companies have changed that then they have a budget to allocate to pay for a co-working space for their employees and i think that's that's where the balance will come so for me it's really important now that as co-working together in in worldwide we make people aware of what is co-working what it brings and what are the advantages and once a boss or an employer has understood that then he can tell his employees okay you live an hour away from the office i'm happy for you for you to work close to where you live but will set a professional standard for you so you'll be working out of a co-working space where you you have a professional chair you have colleagues you have good coffee you have a frame to me it takes time just because of the way we work and the way we think you know um we just right out of the pandemic if we are i mean it's it's starting now people can think back okay what are the learnings what are the key to takes and what are the actions we have to take it's yeah. going to my point of view it's going to take 2 3 years uh, to I, think, I i think so i also think that there's another element there where we have to have some sort of standard so um employees when they're looking for co-working spaces they know the different teams that they want to work from the 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 co-working spaces they know exactly what they need to look for yeah. um the personality fit the infrastructure they need because if even if you take one big corporate for example even the teams within that one business they need different things from different workspaces yeah. and they need different cultures as well yeah. and perhaps uh, perhaps i've been told by a couple of employers as well they're a little nervous about the culture of their company will that get diluted how is that going to transpire through a, a flexible workspace so, you know to some extent are people going to be um indoctrinated by the culture of the, the co-working <laughs> space and move well, further from their employer i've had i have the, i've had those questions as well and and it's funny because companies also that are thinking okay shall we not have our own offices by going to a co-working space and then they were worried about oh, but how am i going to make the you know the corporate feeling and as i said it's like if you join and you have a a company that joins with four or five employees they have their own corner at some point would it be in the open space or in the private office and that's what i was telling the guy it's not because you come and use the desk we put that you cannot put your signage and and some of your feelings and 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 it's not through it's not a desk that's going to transpire the company's culture it's what you do around it's the type of activities it's the collaboration and of course if you have you know I don't know if you talk a lot about that in Ireland but in Switzerland now it's a lot of discussion about this 3-2 model meaning meaning 3 days in the office and 2 days of home office yeah. or of remote working if you do the right thing in your 3 days or 2 or 3 days in the office meaning you work on the company spirit when people are in the office they can work from anywhere else afterwards because they committed to their company and it's not they're not going to be committed because when they enter the building they've seen a big signage with the name of their company they're committed because they love what they do and they are convinced about their goal and the mission of their company and it's it's not because you have a big building with a signage that you do that so, so to me it's also in the mind of the companies it's 
not because of the office. It's really about what you do. Um, yeah, what, what you do and how you feel as well. Yeah, and I think exactly. these spaces can also only grow you as an individual because you're you're exposed to so many different personalities and cultures and businesses. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got that whole diverse element as well coming yeah. in. Yeah. And that's not going to have a, ne- a negative impact. Well, it shouldn't do no. anyway. No, that's positive. Yeah, yeah. So what would you say your predictions are for the flexible workspace in the next oh. five, <laughs> five minutes? Let me, let, take me, let me take my crystal ball. Go on, go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I really think, I mean, yes, I mean, there's been a, a I mean, it was on an increasing slope. It got really stopped a little bit by the pandemic. I think the pandemic will make things move quicker than we expected. So to me, there's going to be the changes are going to come quicker. There's going to be a higher demand. But what's going to happen as well is some big corporations are going to organize their own hubs um, in the sense that um, if they had everybody working from you know, one city, but they have employees coming from different cities. They might be organizing smaller offices um, spread around across the country, not necessarily in co-working space. It could be, but maybe not. And some of them may be, on the other hand, and I've heard that as well already, that big corporations that have too much space in their office will think, okay, we'll do co-working and we'll take other people in our offices. But of course, I always say, um, co-working is a, it's a job in itself. So if you want to take people for co-working, you have to do it properly. Well, what is properly and how do you do it? That's another question. But I think that, that may be also the, the fact that companies will not necessarily join co-working space, but they may be looking into what we are doing and then replicating for the companies itself. Yeah. Um, completely agree. And I think there'll be more and more partnerships as well. So you've got the yeah. the likes of the Swiss Association of Co-working. Yeah. You've got the European Co-working Assembly. Co-working um, operators may be partnering with different businesses and different community groups. So yeah. you've got that bigger skill set, the different infrastructure yeah. and yeah, the different expertise that can come in as yeah. well. The one the one thing we see and that I'm not convinced at the moment are uh, all the booking platforms because there are a lot of booking platforms for co-working space mm-hmm. and they all want you to register or uh, you're you're even sometimes listed even if you haven't asked for anything and you know like this Airbnb for for co-working and there are lots on the market and at least on my point on my side I haven't seen any that is bringing me so many clients and and, and I, I think it's Yes, a network is important, but at some point is the need of most of the people is working close to home. So mm. that's the one thing. Of course, for a company, they may want to find a system where they can have people working in different locations because their employees is spread around the country or around the world. And that's another discussion. And it's more a B2B platform. Some exist already. So I think it's, it's going to be how the market concentrate and I do believe that independent co-workings will remain. So it's not only going to be big chains, but it's also maybe um, how do you partner also with other co-working space because uh, I'm based in Veve, but sometimes I have needs in Geneva. Where do I send them? It's already what we do with the co-working association. We know the others. We know the ones that are filling, you know, that have the same 
way of doing business than we are. So we know where to send our clients, go to there, go to there, try those. So if I see it's going to, I think co-working is going to increase. I think companies are going to change their way of working as well. Some of them may work internally with some working hubs. And the demand, yes, should increase. And then again, it's the discussion we had uh, um, sometimes because who's going to pay for the co-working? And it's really in the company's mind to me to say, maybe they don't pay for the full co-working because at some point, if you're commuting two hours and you're not commuting anymore, you're also saving some of your costs. I mean, you're saving time, but then you're saving either the cost of your car or the cost of your train ticket. So it could also be a trade-off between the company that said, well, I give you part of the co-working and you pay part for it because you decided yeah, good to, point. to live two hours away. I mean, or maybe you haven't decided, but you knew it from the start. So yeah, but some sort of contribution somewhere along the line exactly. has to be talked about. Yeah. 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 So Melanie, where can people find out more about you and your, your work? So by me on LinkedIn, um, Melanie Bernier, B-U-R-N-I-E-R. I'm happy to connect. And otherwise, on the work hub, the workhub.com and .ch, I think I have both. Um, that's more about the co-working. Uh, you'll see quite a few pictures of uh, on the community page, uh, quite a few pictures of the fun thing we do with the co-workers. Um, we swim in the lake in winter. Um, we have shared lunches. And um, next Thursday, it's, it's a hard week this week. We are going skiing <laughs> with the team, or at least the one who wants. So we have the ski um, ski day. That I've had since the beginning of the work capsule. Um, I have a, and, they're, and they're still productive with their work. No, it, they just they block in their agenda for one oh. day, and then because they know they block, they're way more productive the other four days of the week. Fantastic. So yeah, Melanie, good stuff. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Susan. Your, en- your energy and telling us about what you do. Wish you all the luck. And Thank you. And, and happy birthday. Ah, yeah. I still have to celebrate that next week. I'll have to write. I have to make a cake, I think. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget that all the episodes and links are on our website, thehubnewy.com. While you're there, you can stay tuned with what we're up to by subscribing to our mailing list. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks again for being here. Powering Productivity is presented by me, Suzanne Murdoch, and produced by Emily Crosby Media.